Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Val Cisco, dropping some knowledge about Anchor. Guys, have you ever wanted to record your own podcast? Don't you want millions and millions of people to listen to what you have to say, whether it's about Zeus, whether it's about sports, whether it's about everything that's going on in the world of quarantine? Guys, what are you waiting for? Download Anchor. Anchor basically is a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Number two, it's free. Guys, it's free. There's not a lot of freebies out there, so grab this. And of course, Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard from different places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and many, many, many more. You can make money off your podcast too with minimum listenership. So right there, guys, like, listen, this is a no-brainer. Download Anchor. It's pretty fantastic. I love it. Hell, thank you, Anchor, for giving me the platform to speak about all the random things that I do. Uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So please, once again, download Anchor. You can download it off the Apple Play Store, the, the Google Store. I don't know if you guys have Blackberries out there still. Uh whatever is out there download it it's freaking phenomenal you guys won't regret it take care ciao Listening to Sideshow Conversations. Because if you don't, I'll do it for that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great edition of Pop 5, always brought to you by Sideshow Conversations. It's me, Mr. Red Robin himself, Val Cisco, and of course, my special guest with me today, all the way Anxiety Live. I say he's the Damian Wayne of the Robins over here. Mr. Jake, how you doing? <laughs> I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm getting ready for this episode, kind of pumped up. I got my Batman tank top on. I got my Batman fitted on. I'm ready to throw some batarangs around. If y'all don't know what this is, this is Pop Five Top Batman Villains. How hyped are you about this? I'm actually really excited about this. Um, first of all, like Pop Fives are my great, like are my favorite things that you do. So if anybody's tuning in, like Pop Fives are really like the best thing that Val Cisco does. Um, and this one, like Batman Villains, Batman easily being one of people's 
I guess, it, it, like, really, honestly, Batman is a favorite, but I think it's not just so much Batman, but the villains that come along with uh, Batman story arc. So, and it's some of the most creative and unique and um, original uh, characters really uh, ever created in comic book series. So this is, there's a lot to talk about and it's really hard to really choose a top five. So, or really the top five. So, I mean, this is going to be fun. I think you hit the nail right on the head. The Bob Kane, uh, Bill Finger uh, creation, Batman right here, not only is beloved by everyone in the comic book um, plethora of fans and fandom around there, I think it's not, like you said, it's not just the Batman character himself, but the aura around him, the villains, the heroes that stand next to him, the sidekicks, the uh, the partners that he has, and of course the hatred enemies that are almost mirror images of himself. I think in some ways the best villain is a mirror image of yourself, mm-hmm. someone that you kind of can't agree on. I think Batman has so many villains that fit that bill right there. That is, yep, that is true, and um, uh. The, the many, many, many writers that have been a part of the of the Batman series, uh, I mean, they really tend to outdo themselves. And uh, I mean, I, I think they deserve the credit that 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 they get. And if not more. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to pick out what's a great villain when it comes to the, the Batman mythos. I mean, you go into like, you know, early days of, you know, the 1930s and 40s with, you know, very straight lace, you know, haha, villains, twist my mustache, I'm going to get you, Batman. And then you get into Ow. the 60s with more, yes, campy Batman with like the penguin, uh, you know, looking like a penguin kind of with, with a long nose and like a monocle on and, you know, just very, very over the top characters. <laughs> You know, you get to the 70s and 80s with more grit and grime, 90s and now today in the new millennia, where villains have definitely evolved. Even though a lot of villains are still today ones from the 30s, they have evolved from the different writers. But let's uh, let's get into it. I'm going to let you take the reign right now. What is your number five? My number five. Um, so this might actually be surprising, um, but uh, this is actually one of my favorite villains in the Batman series. Um, okay. I'm kind of delaying on purpose because this is like suspenseful. <laughs> um, Go ahead. But Go I'm going to have to give it to the Royal Flush Gang. Ooh. Yes. Um, argue, uh, I mean, honestly, uh, the Batman Beyond series is probably one of my favorites. Um, the, you know, the way it takes place in the future and, you know, like, because Yvette, I mean, I, I know we see Robin, you know, or the many Robins that uh, Batman has had, you know, as the sidekicks and, you know, e- eventually becoming someone that he can hand it down to. But um, I think I think uh, Batman Beyond is really that series where Batman really, you know, literally hangs up his cape and, and he does pass the mantle on. And, you know, the fact that they were able to create, you know, continue the storyline. Um, and I remember when I first saw uh, Batman Beyond, you know, back in the day, um, the Royal Flush Gang was the one, was was the villain group, I guess, because, you know, it, it, it is uh, uh, several, it's made of several members um, that had always stuck out to me. I mean, they're as corny as they are, um, I, I think that they're pretty genius, you know, because it's 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 really hard to explain because uh, they've had very they had they've had variations, you know, um, and it was definitely it was even cool to kind of see them appear in Arrow 
you know, as a, as, as guess as a crime group, which was not to what they were in um, Batman Beyond in, in the nineties cartoon or, you know, early two thousands. Uh, they were more of like a um, actual human family than, um, and, uh, don't know if they were completely androids and, and other variations because I know Ace um, Ace was always uh, kind of like a android thing, but I mean I they're just cool they're kind of cheesy they're corny but I think they're very unique and very original uh, which fits right in line with the um, with the uh, uh, Batman series um, as far as characters go. And, you know, just for the listeners to know, I didn't explain this before, maybe I should have, but this is going to be from all Batman canon, whether it's from the animated series, whether it's from Batman Beyond, whether it's from the movies, um, different iterations of movies, comics, and all walks of life when it comes to Batman, what our top villains are. And I love the Royal Flush Gang. A lot of people don't know this as well, too. They did debut a long time ago in Justice League America um, comic book number 43 where they were the one of the main bad guys the main baddies of the Justice League so they go back all the way down to 1966 and of course they've been a prominent villain for the Batman universe but definitely these guys with their um, their um, androids, whether they're human characters, whether they're just gang leaders and of course carrying it away into Batman Beyond the animated series and the comic books as well too uh, they're a very uh, dominating force, especially if they're reoccurring the way they do. They always seem to get in the middle of any either the Justice League or Batman's um, plans. You know, if Batman has a has a day to kick his feet up on the couch and watch some TV, you better believe it's not the Joker or you know Harley Quinn making a mess of things. It's the Royal Flush Gang kind of doing the dirty work out of the villains. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, totally. Um... But, you know, again, Bat- Batman Beyond is, is one of my favorites. I, I think it's a great uh, storyline. And um, having, uh, uh, God damn it, what the hell is his name? Oh, you have Ace, you have Ten, you have Jack, you have Queen, and you have King. Yeah, but uh, uh, Terry McGinnis, right? That was the name yes. of the character. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that really sticks out about um, the Royal Flesh Gang was I think it was a really it was a real challenge for Terry McGinnis to prove his character and what he was going to be like as the new Batman, you know, Um, and I think that's what uh, Bruce Wayne really saw in Terry was, you know, what kind of Batman is he going to be? And, you know, with the Royal Flesh Gang, I mean, I think I I think he treated him more like as humans than he did uh, villains. Uh, Cause I think he even went out of yes. his way to save them. If I remember correctly, um, because there were, uh, there were copycats that I think that were uh, doing more damage than the actual Royal flesh game was. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think, I think it was just a really cool, really cool concept group. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. They're still prominent today. You know, in the last uh, New 52 series, they were in the Evolve and Crying Syndicate. And then now in DC Rebirth, post-DC Rebirth, um, we get to see the Royal Flush Gang have their own new design for the Batman Beyond series. Because now Batman Beyond is very prominent in the DC universe. Before, it was there, but it was more relying on the animated series animation in the comic books, kind of carrying that series. But now it's a very prominent force. And you know what? I love it. I love that gang 110%. I have a question for you. Yes. Kind of a little off topic, a tad bit, not that much. Terry McGinnis, how do you feel about his character, number one? Like, do you feel like he really took up the mantle for Bruce Wayne? In that show, at least. 
<laughs> no, I think he was too immature to really to really take it on. Um, and I don't. Uh, what I think it was is, I mean, like eventually, I think he started to mature a little bit. But I think he was a little bit too cocky, honestly. Okay. Like, uh, he he came off to me. He like he came off to me, especially at that time, like too much as a bro. And it was like, you know, like, hey, I'm Batman. Um, I don't think that he really cherished what it meant to be the next Batman, especially to have someone as prominent as Bruce Wayne to to hand over the mantle. You know what I mean? Like, I I think he could have cherished it a lot more and its symbolism and, and you know what he was doing especially to be able to still be trained and mentored by Bruce Wayne at that age you know in my opinion I feel like this was the producers because I, I do agree that he's very immature but I feel like this was the producers way of testing the waters of maybe making Dick Grayson a Batman in the future or even just Tim Drake of Batman in the future as well, too. Even though we get those characters in Batman Beyond, uh-huh. especially Tim Drake becoming the Joker in that movie, um, I feel that he resembles a lot of what Dick Grayson used to be in the comics when he was Nightwing before that on Teen Titans. Very brash, very arrogant, you know, always trying to play hooky and get off his duties, you know, go on a date and whatnot, you know, um, trying to listen to Batman but call him an old man half the time. He does resemble dick grayson to at least about the ninth degree not the tenth degree but the ninth degree but i do like the character though yeah no 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 i do i do too like i said it's it's my favorite for a reason (laughs) um yeah yeah so yeah you're right i mean i i I, did you ever see that rebooted and and like the best way that it can be um visually um, like, you know, I know you said, you know, they brought it back with, with, uh, in the comic series and, and I'm like, yeah. that's ecstatic, but I want to see it visually be reinvented and I want, and like, I'm going to hold it to the highest standard possible. And if that gets ruined for me, I will be furious. <laughs> did you ever finish the series? No, I didn't. Did they actually finish the series or did it just get canceled? So they kind of gave it like a kind of a, a finale in a way, but one of the big reveals at the end of the series was, and I hope I'm not spoiling it too much for a show that's been away for almost 20 years, um, it's revealed that he's Bruce's biological son in a way. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So he didn't just hunt him out, or he didn't just like, yeah. um, <sighs> didn't he just like, um, <laughs> coincidentally just happened to be there in that situation in like the first episode. I guess it was all like a ploy at the end of the series. I don't know. I, I rather had it been not his son and just someone taking up the mantle exactly. that, that earned it instead of just being you know, we need to connect these characters so much. Yeah, but but oh. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, what's your number five? I'm excited. Well, Considering the fact that you're talking about a group of villains, I kind of want to go the same way you're going right now. Um, And this is a fairly new um, set of villains that came out in 2011's comic in the launch of the New 52. While they were rebooting a lot of the series, Batman kind of stood the test of time. Um, It did have some changes, but still a lot of stories from the past still held his ground. And one of the series right here, in, in the Batman initial series, basically, we saw Scott, Scott Snyder, excuse me, 
and Greg Capello make a new villain for Batman that not only challenged him psychologically, but challenged the name Wayne as well, too. And I'm going to read you a little passage by them. Beware the Court of Owls that watches all the time, ruling Gotham from a shadow perch behind granite and lime. They watch you at the heath. They watch you in your bed. Speak not a whisper word of them, or they'll send you the talon to get your head. So, like, this group is basically an evil society. Basically, think of the New World Order. The New World Order today, that, that fictional, you know, the, someone's behind the world um, with the marketing and with media and with war. Basically, it's a mirror image of that right now. The Court of Owls basically have been there before the Waynes, before the Cobblepots, and even before the Elliots. This group of highbrow, sophisticated, um, Hello? Uh, rich people have been, yep, you got me here? Get right back into it. The Court of Owls is an organized crime group and a secret society appearing in the DC universe. Uh, commonly associated with they have secretly existed since the colonial times of Gotham City, and the court kidnaps child, um, children, basically child performers from the circus, not only to train them, but transform them into assassins known as talons. Um, basically, what the Court of Owls tries to do is rule Gotham with an iron fist behind closed doors. It's a very prolific character. You can definitely see their masks. If you go to any comic book store, their masks are very scary, very eerie with that owl face uh, on, the, on the front of it with those dark eyes. And they were in one of the best Batman stories to kind of kick off the new 52 with the Court of Owls, testing Batman's will, testing his, his patience and his time, and not only testing Batman, but also Bruce Wayne's name as well, too, saying that the Wayne family has always been corrupted, and the Court of Owls can prove this. So not only tarnishing the name of Batman, but also tarnishing the name of Wayne. There's even a further story that happens when the Court of Owls um, kind of recon uh, Dick Grayson's history, saying that they abducted J um, Dick Grayson when he was in Haley's Circus, before his parents were killed, and made him into a trained assassin as well, too. Kind of like, you know, um, American Ultra, just with a uh, say of a word, and he could flip at any time. This group of individuals, like I said, not only tested the name of Wayne, but also tested Batman to the brink of insanity. They're one of my favorite groups of villains that can really test the Bat family altogether. I'm glad you picked that because uh, uh, honestly, um, my fifth choice was either between um, the Royal Flesh Gang or the uh, Court of Owls because the Court of Owls, they really, uh, they are such an ingenious kind of uh, concept, especially with this uh, uh, more modern time um, because I think they have, they hold a lot of symbolism to yeah. today's world and can fit like uh so realistically it, it's 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 insane you know and um i think uh just like some of um batman's top villains i mean they really play with batman psychologically um and not so much more you know like physically um and and don't they even kidnap uh and torture him yeah uh, uh th yeah they did right 
You know, the Court of Isles not only tortured um, Dick Grayson as well, too, while he was Nightwing. They even go back into time. There's also side stories you'll see in Jonah Hex where the Court of Isles even were emerging there, where, where Jonah Hex actually goes to Gotham in the Wild Wild West, and he takes out these child abductors, basically, to train them, and he basically uncovers that before um, some craziness happens in Jonah Hex. He has a crazy story. Um, it's it's too much to talk about, maybe another episode, but the, the Talons themselves, these, these assassins that basically cannot get killed, they, they are, they're trained to endure as much pain as possible. They get shot, they can get stabbed, hell, they can get hit by a Batmobile, they'll still keep on coming after you. They're essentially the undead coming back, and I think it's just a not only a physical presence because um, in one of the main um, stories where all the talents are basically um, unleashed upon Gotham, um, this is before Forever Evil, this is before a lot of the other series, Night of Owls is what I'm talking about. Basically, the Night of Owls a whole, at least about, I want to say a thousand uh, talent assassins go and raid Gotham and subs to Batman, Batwoman. Um, we have um, Robin, we have um, Red Robin, we have Nightwing, we have um, even Jason Todd gets involved as well too. Batwing, just so even Alfred um, gets into a mechanized bat suit and holds the the Wayne Manor down because they go and destroy that. It's such a crazy <laughs> story and it's such a great read for anybody that wants to have a great story or a great introduction to the Batman mythos. That's one of them. I, I I would definitely have to agree with that. Um, Court of Owls, I mean, really, they they they're uh, uh, especially with uh, newer villains. I mean, they were they are a true test of Batman's sanity and and his strength. And you know, um, I I think they're one of the biggest obstacles for him. Um, so I, kudos kudos for that creation, really. Oh, yeah. And no, I think I honestly think that uh, I'm sorry. Um, I, I think that they were, and this is just my opinion, um, I think that they were originally just going to, because, I mean, you know, some of them, and, and we really look at the Court of Owls, I mean, some are really just uh, humans in, mm-hmm. in with bat, I mean, with owl-like features, but not so much like hybrids. But I think they eventually kind of added that in because, I mean, when you really think of other Batman, and I, I think it gives for a better story too, um, and and kind of makes it uh, like more, I guess like a bigger challenge and more intriguing to it, uh, adding like the hybrids and the undead to it. You know, any villain that challenges the Wayne name itself is a stronger villain than actually someone trying to uncover Batman's mask. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, Batman or Bruce Wayne himself has to go through the mental anxiety of dealing with this villain on both levels as Batman and Bruce Wayne. So I think mm-hmm. that's a formidable point in my opinion. But and it's one of the few that actually knows his identity, right? It, in a way, yes. There's a few of them that do know his identity. And they, um, they tried to expose it as well, too, throughout the test of time as well, too. And they're still involved today. Like I said, it is a crime syndicate organization that there's always a sleeper cell somewhere out there. So another story could emerge pretty soon if we're, if we're lucky. <laughs> I hope they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get into your number four. My number four. My number four, um, I think, was a very personal hit for Batman. Uh, I'm going to give that to Jason Todd. Um, you know, uh, with Jason Todd's story, um, I think it was a, a very 
uh, very twist of, you know, twist of fade, very uh, turning. Uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? A turning point for Batman. So having Jason Todd um, become uh, Red Hood really, again, I think that is, I, I think that is a very personal hit for Batman because I mean he already blames himself for Jason Todd's death, and you know to have Jason Todd like, and and I mean it, it's really, it, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but is it really the Lazarus Pit that makes Jason Todd? As, as crazy as he is as Red Hood. Cause like after he appeared, uh, uh, after coming out from the Lazarus pit, doesn't he automatically just go and beat the shit out of Joker? Um, kind of similar to the way that jo- Joker tortured him. So it's, um, it's a very convoluted story how they get to um, under the Red Hood. Um, it's one of my favorite comic books of all time. Jason Todd, one of my favorite characters of all time. I was hoping that you put him on this list as well, too, because he's a very strong Batman. I want to say anti-hero, but in this case, in this in this kind of iteration, he is definitely um, Batman's formal opponent. Um, it does have to deal with the Lazarus effect, uh, Lazarus pit, but also a ki- kind of other variables that did um, come in with this uh, story as well, too. We had Talia al Ghul at one point trying to bring him back and a whole list of um, series um, that happened with um, Jason Todd that made him mentally insane. Um, Yes, he did go after the Joker in a way, but most of the time it was just him trying to fix his sanity. He did make appearances in different Batman um, stories in the the comic books, like Batman Hush, where he's talked Mm -hmm. about. And there's even parts where Clayface actually reforms uh, himself as Jason Todd and Batman thinks that he's alive again and then to uh, to his credit he um, Clayface basically tricks him but in the shadows we see Jason Todd lurking in the background so he's been a, away but at the same time training to basically take the mantle for Batman um, the hard way um, the violent way the devious way so he is one of my favorite characters of all time very convoluted story but at the end of the day very impactful uh, history Jason Todd has given us yeah I mean because you know when uh, when when he came out in the story um, what was it Batman and death in the family um, right. again I mean I think that that is a huge turning point for Batman and and uh, Especially for someone in his level, and you know, like, I mean, he's gonna feel responsible. I mean, I know, you know, anyone coming in as Robin is, I mean, you know what you're getting into, but you know, Batman still, I'm, I'm pretty sure he still feels obligated to, you know, kind of keep them safe, and mm-hmm. and and do what he can to still lead and protect, but also, you know, fight side by side. So, yeah, I, I mean, the the whole. Jason Sto- Jason Todd's story is just—it's—it's it's fantastic. I mean, it really is. I mean, not only um, do we get the tragedy when that storyline where um, we get to see the fans essentially kill off Jason Todd—that's right because they did. It was like a phone thing, right? Yeah. And it's just initially they didn't like him whatsoever. They thought he was um, too different than Dick Grayson. So initially they killed him. But to bring him back all these years later and have such a structured story of, you know, the lost son, you know, Batman's greatest tragedy. And definitely that's what Jason Todd is. Batman's greatest tragedy is seeing Jason Todd die. And for him to come back and 
essentially, yes, he's a little unstable, mentally unstable. But I mean, I never expected to come out of anyone who's just come back alive. True, but he's still taking the mantle of the bat. Basically, he's Uh. still going out there and you know gathering the drug lords and putting them into corners and eliminating them by force. So essentially, he's being Batman, just a vicious Batman. And that story culminates with him taking on the Joker, beating the Joker with his own crowbar, the same crowbar that he was beat with, and unmasking himself to Bruce and saying, why didn't you love me? Why don't you kill him for me? It's such a crazy story because even before that, they match each other, before the revelation that's Jason Todd, they're matching each other um, blow to blow, gadget to gadget. He knows every move from Batman, so he can essentially take him out if he wanted to. But we see he doesn't. He wants to make a point. Number one, that he's better than the bat. And number two, he can kill the Joker at any time he wants to. He just wants to do it in front of Bruce because of the fact that he wants that revenge, that redemption. Yeah. He, and even at that point, too, he wants Bruce to do it. He doesn't even want to do it. He wants Bruce to avenge him face to face. That's what makes him even a stronger character. That is... That's intense. Like I said, you can't like you can't just come up with this shit. Like this is this is this is this is what makes the Batman storyline so authentic. Like it really does. Definitely, definitely. Um, in my opinion, uh, I wanted to put him on this list so badly. I just know that all the good that Jason Todd has done, um, pre uh, post fifty two, and mm-hmm. then um uh, now in the with um with the new um, comics coming out these days, you know, I just feel that Todd's more of a anti-hero slash hero rather than villain. There's even a better story, not a better story, but a, a story just as well too. Um, Battle for the Cow, which came out when Batman was presumably dead. And this story basically was um, once that um, dark side basically eliminated Batman, um, we got to see who's going to take the next mantle for Batman. We had, you know, um, Dick Grayson volunteering to do it. You had Tim Drake volunteering to do it. Hell, Damian Wayne wanted to do it because he was his son. And ultimately, we had Jason Todd take uh, take on all the Robins, all of them with essentially a Batman suit of their own, trying to be the next (laughs) Batman. That's such a great storytelling from all the quintessential sons of Batman, the orphans of Batman, of Bruce. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have any final words for for Jason Todd in general? No, not really. I mean, I mean, that's it. You know, it's just uh, it's again, it's a very deep, uh, very deep story. And and again, I mean, and like you, like you had mentioned, I forgot to mention that. I mean, it was a really great way to you know really get the fans involved by you know having them choose like his faith. And, you know, they did it. They went with it and everyone decided to kill him off. And um, again, that's just another way that, you know, Batman sticks out as a series. Mm-hmm. And now, yo. I'm going to go with my number four right here. And it's a little bit strange. People are going to be like, huh? But it's going to make sense, in my opinion. Um, I did say this is going to be at all facets when it comes to the Batman mythos. And I think video games make sense to get into this as well, too. Um, there was a lovely video game that came out a couple of years ago called Injustice. Yes. And with Injustice came an alternate universe with alternate personalities. None was more prolific than Kal-El, Superman. Basically, in this universe, the Joker essentially poisons Superman's mind 
into killing half a metropolis and Lois Lane with baby in stomach as well, too. Um, at this time, Superman does go crazy and becomes a miniature Hitler of the world. And it's up to Batman to really rally people from Earth Prime and that Injustice universe as well, too, to battle the lights of Superman and his new regime. I think this iteration of Superman is very personal because of the fact that he knows Bruce is his best friend. And he knows Bruce is the only one that could take him down. And he does everything in his power, whether to turn heroes into villains. You get to see Green Lantern um, get the Sinestro Corp ring and become a, um, a Yellow Lantern. We get to see so many other um, he- uh, villains turn he- heroes, like Lex Luthor, trying to take down Superman. And all these heroes are looking to Batman himself to stop kal at this moment in time. I think not only this was great for a video game, but they even made a comic book series as well, too, telling the backstories of these of these heroes and villains. We get to see a backstory of Superman and Batman, knowing that, you know, Lois was pregnant, how excited Bruce was for Clark at the time, because Clark was going to be what he always wanted to be, a father, a protector, and just have that taken away by one of Batman's most formidable opponents and doing what Batman can never do, which is rip out the heart of the Joker in such a crazy way. It's so, so much of a personal rivalry between them that it only even extended to a second video game and a second um, um, series of comics as well, too, that still are on today. I don't know. I think that um, Superman in general is a great villain for Superman, especially in the Dark Knight comic book, but this iteration of Superman. So not only do we get a Kal-El that's mourning over the death of Lois and his unborn child, he also is mourning because he cannot even speak to his best friend. We even get this in Justice 2 where they just want to get along. They just want to be the Justice League one more time. They just want to be, you know, blue and black just one more time, but they can't because of what happened. And I think this is the best iteration of Superman. Yeah, and... uh... I mean, it's just one of those things that was just kind of, you got to make, you got to twist the story sometimes in a way that you don't expect. And I think that was one of the uh, coolest ways to do that. And, you know, there's so many times where we've seen Batman take on Superman in so many ways, um, them team up in the Brave and the Bold and different things of that nature as well, too. But I think them going against each other, whether it's in the Dark Knight where the Boy Scout takes on the Vigilante, whether it's in the movie, even though as bad as that movie was, Martha, we get to still see, you know, someone with so much power taking on someone with so much intellect. And it's always a contrast between both, you know, the bruiser versus the strategist. And I think that works so well as villains, as well as partners, but villains make it so much more meat on the bone to kind of deal with with this situation and i love the fact that we got to see it unfold whether it was in justice gods among us or justice 2 um i can't speak enough enough about that do you have any last bits about injustice the series or superman in that series no just I, i've always wanted to play injustice but um i'm fucking cheap so i just i don't <laughs> go buy i don't go out and buy new shit so i'm trying to slowly change that <laughs> and eventually i will get to that game both of them I definitely will say that if you get a chance, you go to like a Zia Records or a comic book shop out here and you get the Injustice Gods Among Us comic book series, it'll give you everything you need to know about the series altogether. It's fabulous. It takes on 
all the side missions and all the things that kind of are in the, the video game itself and elaborates it in a better way where you're having a better understanding of why everybody's intention is the way they are in the game. Why Sinestro is the way he is. Why um, Hawkgirl is the way she is. You know, things of that mm. nature. It's very, very fun. You have to check that out. Well, let's go with your number three. My number three. So... We're going pretty original here to uh, a, a villain that everybody uh, knows and hopefully loves because it's always been one of my uh, top favorites. We're going to go to a man by the name of Edward Nigma. Ooh. Yes. Um, Riddler had always been, you know, one of my uh, favorite villains because he's very, he's very unique in a lot of ways. And I think that people also kind of easily forget like how sadistic this guy really is um and the way that he plays with batman very psychologically and very intelligently because um he knows you know that um batman is a very intelligent um individual so he tries to make things difficult uh you know, just to have a little bit of fun. And, uh, you know, again, this guy is actually very sadistic, but also very clever in the way that he um, he causes havoc in, in Batman's world. I mean, the guy even killed his own daughter, you know? Um, so, I mean, there's there's a lot that can be said about him, and, and it's great to see the various, uh, well, the many variations uh, of his character being played out, uh, whether it be in the comics and, and video games, and uh, finally on TV, um, I think on I think on Gotham he finally came out as you know as his Riddler, uh, Riddler he did. character. Okay, so I mean, yeah, I mean, he's just he's just he's just a really cool, fun character, and again, he's someone that's very original to the um, Batman series, and uh, I. I, I th- I don't think that he gets a lot of the credit that, that he should get. Definitely. I agree with you 100%. I don't think that, you know, um, the Riddler is by all means a physical threat to the Bat, but I do feel that he always wants to match or even surpass Batman's intellect. I think mm-hmm. that's what really turns him on as a villain, attracts him to Batman. All these villains have an attraction to Batman in one way or another. Edward's attraction is he knows that he's one of the smartest men alive. He knows that he can outsmart anybody, but the one person that always foils his plans is a guy running around in a bat suit, and he cannot let that down for one second. I think his biggest detriment is the same thing as well, too, because of the fact that he always wants to outsmart the bat. He kind of lets it happen by giving Batman breadcrumbs after breadcrumb after breadcrumb to help him essentially figure out the riddle, but still trying to mess with him down the line. He's been great in the video games. He's been great in the comic books. He's been great in the movies. I feel that even Jim Carrey's performance as the Riddler was just a fantastic role. It's very eccentric. And when I say the Riddler, I look at someone so eccentric like that. Maybe not the smartest Riddler we've seen on screen, but very, uh, very much the most eccentric. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and if you kind of read on his personality, I mean, that's the kind of personality that he's had in the department, you know, very eccentric and uh, in a way that it's not very appealing, you know, because uh, he was a, what, a forensics uh, mm-hmm. expert in, in, in Gotham PD. Right. Uh, so, you know, like, 
is, is that the kind of uh, personality that you want? Um, you know, uh, handling handling forensics and like really serious crimes. I mean, you know, kind of. But it, what I also think is um, he brings a different kind of humor to uh, Batman's story. You know, you have the Joker, but then you also have uh, the the Riddler's uh, humor, which is a little bit uh, different. And again, and it's it's like you said, it's not so much a physicality thing. Uh, he's uh, he's a different kind of villain that kind of gets overlooked. I mean, uh, you don't those characters who bring that kind of uh, that kind of challenge. Again, like it takes a lot of thought than just to give somebody like super strength, you know, like let's just throw someone out there like Juggernaut. Like Juggernaut right. is, is just a really dumb fucking character. But what does he have? He has a strength. So like any any uh, hero that fights him, I mean, they're going to have a hell of a hard time because, I mean, it's just because the guy is just like super fucking strong. Um, but when you have uh, someone like Riddler, Joker, and um, – I mean, you know, the list can go on. There's a lot of fucking very genius people. I mean, even Mr. Freeze uh, with his his fucking puns. I mean, the guy's a scientist, you know, like he's a pretty ingenious guy. He's a very intelligent uh, individual. So it goes, I mean, it takes a lot of of depth to create a character like that. And then, you know, for... um, uh, Edward Nigma's uh, or Ed Nigma's uh, character. I mean, I think they took it an even step further to give him the kind of uh, antics that he has. Definitely, definitely. One of the um, most formidable opponents for Batman's mind. And definitely um, not even just his mind itself, but um, attacking Batman, but also feeling the need to f- that he wants to be captured in a way as well, too. It's like a cat and mouse game. It's like he wants Batman to figure him out. He wants Batman to capture him. He wants Batman to essentially release him from whatever madness he's in. I think essentially that's what the, what the realer wants at the end of the day. He Yes, he tests Batman, but I think he just wants a simple release from the tortured soul that he um, has. I get Neil. I, I, I stand behind that 100%. Well... Mine is not so much, well, I won't say that. He very much is on the intellectual level um, as Batman. Maybe not as a Riddler, but as Batman. I feel like this character right here is literally the opposite side of the coin of Batman. Whereas Batman has a no-gun policy, this man does. He's a creation from uh, David Vern Reed, uh, Lou Schwartz, and Bob Kane first appeared in Batman 59 in July 1950. He's an excellent sniper who regularly boasts about never missing a shot and is often considered one of the best and deadliest assassins in the DC universe. This is Deadshot. Deadshot. And I love Deadshot because of the fact that he is almost a mirror image of Bruce Wayne. Very sophisticated, suave, articulate. Um you know, a, a womanizer in a way that Bruce Wayne is in a way, too. Not that I uh, um, um, have in my feelings about that. I'm endorsing that whatsoever. But he <laughs> is basically the misogynistic character that Bruce Wayne pretends to be half the time. Except he's on 100 with it. Um, very much a boastful character. But when a t- when time comes to actually take a case, literally, he never misses. Um, this man could be 
a force of good if cared if if really pushed the right way. He could actually be a hero, but the fact that he loves uh, his his own self, his 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 own vein, basically takes over him. I mm-hmm. think that it makes him a detriment to himself, but also a great villain. My favorite part about this is because of the fact that he always tests Batman to pick up the gun and shoot him as well too, knowing that Batman doesn't kill. Deadshot will try to kill everybody in his way. Um, I love the character, whether he's in Secret Six, whether he's in Suicide Squad, whether he's in different Batman stories as well, too. He's always a formidable villain, always a mystery villain as well, too. If you ever saw a comic book or a video game where someone gets shot and you really don't know what's happening, best believe it's Deadshot behind it. And especially in the Arkham uh, Asylum series that are uh, on the PlayStation and the Xbox, we get to see that. We get to see Batman's detective skills trying to find Deadshot. You know, where the bullet came from, how high did he shoot from, um, and um, was there a win factor, and why was this hit, this target um, um, assassinated? You get to um, get in the mind of Batman as a detective trying to find Deadshot. And you get that in the comics as well, too. There's not a lot of times where we get to see Batman be the greatest detective. Some people think that he's just about a bunch of pow, I'm the knight, and I'm going to get you. But he is the world's greatest detective for a reason. That's why detective comics basically surround themselves around him. Because of the fact that he is a, a, an intellect like no other. But I believe... His match is that Deadshot intellectually and physically as well too. What do you feel about Deadshot? Oh, I mean, I think uh, again, it's it's. I think many people have tried to create that basically that super assassin, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I think uh, uh, Deadshot is a very classic character when it comes to um, again that that assassin because like for you to be an assassin, you can't just be good at what you do. You know, you can't just be out of a shot, but like you said, you know, it's it's the intellect, it's the character that that really plays along. And I think you really hit it when, you know, you said, you know, his vein, it's his vein that ultimately makes him who he is and the way that he is. Um, If it wasn't for that, I mean, you're right. He can be pushed to do so many good things, but, you know, he is in love with himself by what he does. So given that, you... uh, you get who we know as Deadshot. You know, and I'm not going to shit on it because I know a lot of people, including myself, (laughs) I was waiting for it. (laughs) Suicide Squad. It has the making to be a great movie. And I still think that Will Smith's portrayal has the making to be a great character. The thing about it is that I feel they missed a lot of what makes Deadshot great. I understand they were trying to get the family dynamic with his daughter, but Man, like the the suave sophistication that Deadshot brings, we didn't get that Will Smith, and we can get that with Will Smith. He can play that character to a T, you know. And I didn't, I just me personally, I didn't care for the whole nah, man, I'm gonna mess you up, man. You're gonna get these hands, man. I didn't care for that because I feel like he should be on Batman's level. I should feel like I feel like he should be, of course, at max, maximum security because if he gets a hold of one little thing that can shoot you, he could take out a whole entire army. And I feel like that wasn't portrayed in the movie whatsoever. And I think Will Smith can do ten times better if he was given the leeway to create this character the way he wanted it to. I think he needed to run a little bit more, and maybe that would have mm. been. 
<laughs> oh, by the way, I finally found a movie where Will Smith does not run, and I totally forgot what the fuck it was, but I'm going to come back to you on that. I found it exists. It does it exist. <laughs> In all, though, I feel that Death, uh, Deadshot not only is one of Batman's greatest villains that matches his um, strength and weakness, I feel that he is a character that is in a villain's place because of himself and nothing else. Society didn't make him this way. You know, someone didn't make him this way. His own vein, his own personality, his love for himself and his art made him this way. And if there was a switch that could turn him into the side of good, I think he could be an incredible hero, or at least an anti-hero in the way of Jason Todd, Red Hood. But I digress. I do love him as a Batman villain. Um, and that's actually very rare for, uh, especially in the Batman universe. Um, it's very rare to have somebody that really created, you know, their villain on their own accord. Whereas yes. again, everybody had some kind of fucking story, like something happened. Mm-hmm. And- that, that really made them the way that they are makes them do the things they do. Uh, whereas this guy's just like, yeah. <laughs> Very true, but he still does meet Batman, or at least Bruce Wayne. While, while, like I said before, while Bruce Wayne entertains society as his bachelor, um, a guy in the town, that basically is Deadshot. That is Floyd uh, um, Lawton right there. Mm-hmm. Basically a brash beautiful man trying to get what he wants and he's gonna get it no matter what kind of creepy i know but <laughs> especially in this day and age he's, he's his own little harvey weinstein if you will with a gun <laughs> yeah we went there mm-hmm. but go ahead i want to hear now your number deuce all right so i'm probably gonna get um chewed out on for this um, but, I'm not with my um with my um comment of sexual assault from Deadshot. No, <laughs> I don't advocate that whatsoever. I think that guy's a scumbag. I'm gonna tell you that right there. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, you're right. Again, you know, it's it's dry humor is a thing that you know. But anyway, we'll just we'll just we'll just kind of. <laughs> Um, so, sorry, I was looking at something. Okay, my number two is arguably one of the most iconic characters in the Batman universe. Has had several, several different variations. Um, I'm pretty sure you already know where I'm going here. Um, and, and honestly, I mean, I think he's one of the greatest characters in comic book history, because I'm superheroes, DC, Marvel. Um, my number two is going to go to the Joker. Okay. I mean, he's going to be on the list. He has to be on the list. Uh, I mean, because especially for someone who was going to be killed off real pretty much soon after his story ended when um, he was first introduced in what year was that, Frank? Um, going back to like nine, one of the, for Batman's first villains, I think like nineteen thirty three, nineteen thirty four. Yeah, he was supposed to be killed off, you know, right after being introduced. But they saw the potential that he had as a villain, and I think that you know the Joker has evolved 
and and to one of the most sadistic, one of the most clever, uh, just notorious villains that we have all ever known, whether it be someone that you only saw in movies, someone that you only know in comic books or, you know, religiously know in comic books or even in video games. Um, I think, uh, what was it? Uh, people are going to hate me for this, but I personally loved, I personally loved, I'm going to say that again, I loved playing Mortal Kombat versus DC. Uh, it was a very not inter- a bad game. I like the game. I liked it. But then again, you also like musicals. So, I mean. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, even on there, I I mean, Joker was his clever self. I mean, his fucking, uh, his, uh, um, God damn it, his uh, uh, fatality ends with him shooting a gun that has a little bang flag on it. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. just. And and what I love about him the most is his relationship with Batman. I mean, he, too, is also a character that knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne, but he has absolutely no care for that. I mean, he really has no other goal than just to have fun with Batman every fucking day. And I don't think that people honestly realize it because, I mean, it's not really shown unless you read the comics but he is killed his body count is high joker does not hesitate to kill but i mean his ultimate goal is just to have fun with batman and i don't think that he has really any intention to reveal who batman is or even really kill batman am i wrong about that frank um it, it all depends what iteration you give the joker but you kind of are right Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, again, like he said, you know, it's, it's, it really depends on the iteration, but I mean, um, Ooh, and I have to cut you off first appearance, 1940, April 25th. So a couple of years off, but 1940, it was in that time frame. <laughs> mm-hmm. but I mean, but you know, in, even with the di- very different variations, I mean, you know, Joker has, has hell of a history. Um, he's, has even killed Lex Luthor by shooting them point blank with a shotgun. I mean, <laughs> That guy's crazy. Um, you know, uh, I, I still haven't seen uh, that recent uh, animated uh, movie that came out. Uh, oh, the jo- Killing Joke? Yeah, The Killing Joke. Um, I hear it's pretty twisted. But again... Read the comic is even better. Yeah, uh, really? Yeah, that's what I heard too. But, you know, um, the guy has even cut his, fade off, cut his own face off and then wore it again as a mask. I mean... This is this is someone who I mean you can have so much fun with writing this character, and I don't think that there's any limitations to what he can and will do. But he's a very classic character, and then you know I think uh, even seeing his different portrayals in the movies, you know you have your um, you have your uh, uh, Jack Nicholson Joker, your Heath Ledger Joker, and then my least favorite, the Jared Leto. Joker, um, but again, they're every you know they're just different variations of it, and then and uh, I don't remember. Um, but uh, you know, like I said, you know the the, the different variations in the movie. Um, you know, that's just a good, uh, I, I mean, you can't really say, 
Well, I mean, you could if you want to go in that direction to say which, you know, what Joker was better than the other. But again, it's just another. It's it's just a, a more visual portrayal of the different versions the Joker had. Joker has and can have. Um, I think Heath Ledger was the most psychological. Um, Jack Nicholson was just pure insanity. And then Jared Leto was just, I don't know. I don't know. I have, I, I, I have a lot to say about, I just, I just can't. I mean, I try, I just don't like that movie whatsoever. There's really nothing about that movie that I like. Um, but and, and the fact that it's getting its own movie just kind of like bugs me. But, you know, again, some people like it. I think it's just because like people are obsessed with his, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to stop right there. But yeah, Joker number two, I think it deserves it. Um, he has to be on the list. Um, if he wasn't, I, I, I don't know. I'm going to say a couple of controversial things right now. Let's do it. First thing. I actually like Jared Leto's performance of the Joker. Yeah. I, I think if we are going to get a modern day take on the Joker in that universe, him being a bored as fuck gang leader, especially in a world where his main focus is probably just Harley Quinn and Batman, I think it works. And I feel like he could have had a better performance if the movie was basically the Suicide Squad trying to apprehend him and his gang. I think there would have been more meat on the bones when it came to the character, and I feel like he could really project a, a great performance if given the chance to, because Jared Leto has risen to the occasion when it comes to certain performances. Um, I mm-hmm. felt like it wasn't, he didn't have enough to captivate people. But- no, I agree with you there. Like, I will, like, for him... And like I will give Jared Leto the credit for portraying the character that he was given. I will, because he did that. He executed that well. Do I like that Joker? No, but I'm not gonna. Not, I'm not gonna not say that it was a good performance. It was a great performance. Now, the second controversial thing I'm gonna say. I don't care if I get heat for it or not. I don't like the Joker as a character whatsoever. <laughs> I knew it. I fucking knew it. I knew that was coming. So let's hear your rebuke. Why? Okay, I understand why people like the Joker, especially with um, the poetic um, look at the Joker. You know, the clown that's supposed to make people laugh and the bat that's supposed to make people scared. You know, the scary one's the savior while the happy one is the devil, essentially. So I understand that contrast there. It's a very cool contrast to start off with. But to have this character as the most reoccurring character with limited skill to take on the bat or the bat family... I don't get how he's gotten as far as he's had over the past couple of decades. Now, granted, he's a fan favorite, but I feel like the more connection he has to Batman is to the things that he's doing to the Bat family, like to Barbara Gordon while shooting her into the back and essentially allegedly raping her. We get, we don't know that in The Killing Joke. It's insinuated, but... It's never said uh, whether it's killing Jason Todd, but in my opinion, Batman's greatest villains are mirror images of himself. 
as much as we all think that Bruce Wayne is a crazy guy in a bat suit, which he kind of is, I don't think he is anarchy incarnate. I don't think, and that's why I look at the Joker. I think that he is pure anarchy. And in a world where we have people like Clayface and we have people like Bane who are controlled anarchy in a way, more of just, you know, um, explosions with a mind, the Joker is just pure explosion. And I feel like there comes a time, if we didn't have these Barbara Gordon, Jason Todd stories, what do we really have with the Joker? Just a funny guy with a buzz, laughing gas, and, you know, a, a buzz hand that kills people. And I feel like, in my opinion, there are more stronger characters attached to Bruce Wayne, Batman himself, and the Bat family. Like, I get, I get it. Like I said, I get why people love him. I just don't get why he's such a prolific character to test the tale of time for the past, what, five decades almost. Mind you guys, this is this is coming from the guy who watched La La Land like 10 times in a row. Um, God damn you, La La Land's a great movie. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's that's the whole point of this. I mean, you know, um, and, and I, if it's anyone to make that statement, um, I, I, I think that, you know, you have that platform to make it because, um, again, you know, um, you know, your storylines, you know, in depth of, you know, um, you're you're a true fan, a true reader, and, and, and you he, know. He, not to cut you off, he has great stories. Like like I understand, like you know, stories with the Killing Joke, uh, with the Joker um, self series that he has, well, too, in the mid two thousands. You know, the, um, in the Long Halloween as well too. Like there's so many stories out there with the Joker that are just fabulous. But at the end of the day, he's just a skinny guy that Batman could punch. And if he Superman really wanted did. to, he could take him out. Exactly. Jason Todd basically almost killed him. So it's like, uh, I feel like I, I I get it psychologically why he could affect Batman to some extent, but I feel he's more of an annoyance than a challenge. That's what I was going to say. Like, I think, but I mean, I, I think the metaphor for Joker is, or like more like a symbolism is that he's, I think he rep- represents life and like problems never go away. Right. They don't. We're always going to have some some kind of issue and some problem that we're going to face. Even when things look okay and we think things are going okay, there's the Joker. You know, and I, I think that's what he is and I think that's what he's become comfortable at. And yes, um, when it really comes down to it, he is an outdated character. Like you said, you know, um, as 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 the uh, DC universe has expanded, um, they've created some, uh, uh, like I guess, what started out as an evolutionary character uh, villain to Batman. I think that they've used his profile and his mark on the Batman series and evolved it into creating some amazing really challenging characters again i think that he is a base for a lot of it because again they found everything that worked for him like okay so what can we do next how can we make a better villain so i think he has to be credited to that i'm just saying like if i were to make my own legion of doom or or crime syndicate 
you know, I got, you know, a, a Lex Luthor or a Pizarro to take on a Superman. You know, I got a Sinestro or a Trosta to take on a Green Lantern, a Cheetah or a Cersei to take on Wonder Woman. I'm not going to put the Joker on my team to take on Batman because most likely he'll blow up my own team to begin with. Does he even age? See, that's the thing. There's like so many um, iterations of the Joker where you don't know if this is the actual Joker. He doesn't really have an origin. There's so many origins of the Joker, whether he's the original Red Hood, whether he's um, um, there's one point where he was actually the killer that killed uh, Bruce Wayne's parents. There's also a story where he's a failed comedian. There's so many different stories of the Joker that you don't know which Joker you're dealing with. And I, I guess that's a lore for him to keep him as secret as possible. The fact that they've done it all these years is awesome. But like I said, I'm not going to choose him as the equal for Batman to take him on. Like, there's an owl man, there's a clay face, there's a Bane. Like, there's so many. Bane himself has a strange end. Uh, he's on my list as best, but he has this, the brain and the brawn to take on Batman. Hell, I'll put that dude on my team over the guy who's just pure chaos. Now, granted, my best, I guess, moment of the Joker, or, or, or I guess my favorite iteration. I have two of them. I do love him with uh, Mark Hamill playing them in the animated series. I think I have a fun understanding of the Joker in that in that time frame there, that old 1930s, you know, gangster Batman kind of move uh, show you have there. It works there. And then with the Heath Ledger performance, the part where we're getting him with the boats and him just not caring which one blows up because it's pure chaos. I love that right there. Like I get that. If he puts Batman predicaments like that every so often to kill people just to kill people, I'm okay with that. It's just the obsession with Batman and trying to make him like this formidable opponent physically and intellectually, I don't see it. <laughs> what I never understood is how like cuz I've read very many um very many uh uh articles and shit about like you know the best joker portrayals and like the best appearances of joker um and i always see um the the batman tv show from like way back in the day uh what was his name? oh it's caesar um i'll look him up right now caesar i want to say forever but i could be wrong people are screaming at me right now keep yeah. on talking i'll look for it yeah but i i just don't understand what people see in his joker character like i i I don't know. To me, it's just like, I, I think it is like the lowest form of Joker, period. And I think that's just like people trying to be fucking... Um, Cesar Romero. There you go. Yeah, I think it's just people trying to be that intellectual hipster. Where it's like, yeah, man, you got to give the original. Like, no, I think that was just like the lowest portrayal uh, uh, of, of the Joker's character. And I don't know. I, I just I just can't stand that. Uh, that that version of Joker, like at all? No, do I do I feel that he can work in this day and age? Yeah, I, de- I definitely think so. But no. I feel like we've made so many characters, like Professor Pig and things of the butchers, basically of people that that really took that mantle of just like this mutilating person. I'll go back to the Dark Knight series uh, movie as well too, because it's such a great movie. Hell, won Oscar, but um. The part where he makes Harvey Dent 
you know, essentially making a villain out of himself. You know, I that right there I can see as a great portrayal of the Joker because he's a virus. Mm-hmm. His 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 he's chaos, infected. yeah, it's intoxicating and it's easy to slip down that slope of no return. And I think I, mean, I feel like right Two Face, yeah, and Two Face is a good representation of if if someone is a controlled version of Joker. But at the same time, he's a controlled version of Joker. He has a weakness. He has something that you can relate to. As a fan, I can't relate to the Joker. <laughs> if 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 the Joker had a gift to represent it, it would be um, from Austin Powers when he's got that one villain and he's looking at her after she falls out the window and he's like, why won't you die? <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is a little bit different. It's a little bit strange, if you will. And people may not know him, but those who are fans of Batman in general will know that he is one of the first Batman villains as well, too. And the first villain to uncover Batman's um, true identity. Um, he's a um, super villain appearing in DC Comics. I believe it was DC, Detective Comics 36 in February 1940, created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. He is Professor Hugo Strange. Oh. And I love this character because, as we said with the Joker starting off with Batman as an archaic character, essentially, Hugo Strange still fits the bill as this scientists trying to understand the psyche of Batman and Bruce Wayne. You know, as I said before, you know, I understand that people may think Bruce Wayne is chaotic because he runs around in a bat suit. Well, Hugo Strange looks at him like that. He looks at him like, why is this man who has millions and millions of dollars trying to avenge something that he couldn't control? And he systematically always tries to break Batman and Bruce Wayne down. Most of the time, he's doing this with the mob itself. But of course, being a doctor at Arkham Asylum and Blackgate Prison as well, too, he has incorporated himself with a rogues gallery of villains himself to always use at his dispense to take out Batman. Ultimately, what he wants to do is study the brain of Bruce Wayne and know why the hell he does what he does. It's a simple concept. A scientist gone too far. He's basically what Lex Luthor is to Superman, you know, wanting to not essentially be the Superman, but know, but wants to know why he's doing what he's doing. If you have this power, if you have this wealth, why are you wasting it on this right here? You could do so much more. And I feel that Hugo Strange really represents that, as well as the intellect of Bruce Wayne. I love the fact that you have villains that match the detective uh, capabilities of Bruce Wayne. As much as Bruce Wayne tries to find the villain, Hugo Strange is always one step ahead of Bruce Wayne himself and Batman. Is he a physical force? In some adaptations, he is. In some adaptations, he's a broad scientist that can go toe-to-toe with Bruce Wayne with martial arts. Sometimes you'll see in the Arkham games as well, too. He's just a, a, a meager scientist looking to figure out things of the bat. But I definitely feel like he's one of the biggest threats because of the fact he knows who Bruce Wayne is but he, all he wants to do is have Bruce Wayne committed. And that's the hard part there. He can definitely expose him for his secret right there, but there's no real fun of that. He just wants to systematically break Bruce, down, Bruce Wayne down second by second, day by day, 
and then torture him and then figure out why he does what he does. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that he's also a character that really spends time with the Joker, spends time uh, spends time with people like Bane and Clayface in Arkham Asylum, tries to get to know their psyche as well too, initially corrupting his brain even more. Why do these villains have such a, a hard-on for Batman? Why are they so attracted to Bruce Wayne? What is it about this character that has all these villains flock to him? Conversations with the Mad Hatter, conversations with um, um, Victor Freeze are just essential parts in comic book storytelling that you don't get because not only is, like like I said, he's not just a, a punch, bang, boom kind of villain. There's storytelling. There's, there's, there's meat. There's character development, not only with him, but with the whole Bat universe. Yeah, so would you say that his um, obsession with Batman has a little more depth or a lot more depth than that of the Joker? I do, because I think the Joker is only attracted to Batman because Batman won't kill him. And at the end of the day, I think, like the Riddler, the Joker wants release, in a way, from his chaotic life. And we see that in the Dark Knight comic book and in the the film, the, the animated film as well, too, where at the end of the day, the Joker tries again to get under Bruce Wayne's Batman's skin and all he wants to do is for Batman to cross the edge and kill him and still Batman doesn't do it so essentially he snaps his own neck because all he wants to do is just mess with Batman Mm -hmm. uh, psychologically in a way where no one else can but the same token I feel it's more intimate with Hugo Strange because he's questioning like I said why this billionaire this philanthropist um, with a questionable past wants to just take his vengeance out on something that he couldn't control. So essentially, he's trying to save his parents with every night going outside again. And there has to be something to it. There has to be more than that. Why is this man adopting so many killed children? That was a storyline as well, too. Why is he adopting you know, Dick Grayson? Why is he adopting Tim Drake, Jason Todd, Damian Wayne? You know, why, why, why does he care so much? At the end of the day, these people die in his arms anyway. What kind of man is this? And he systematically wants to just figure it out while breaking him down as well, too. I think he's more of an intimate villain than Joker. I can see that. And, and you know, you're not the only one. I mean, uh, if you look up any uh, article for top villains, uh, top Batman villains, I mean, he's always um, usually at the top of the list. Um, not number one, but, like, usually high up there, like, in the top five or top three for most people's picks. So, uh, yeah, you're not alone in that. And he's not a, a supernatural villain, Really, he's no. a you or me that has a higher intellect. He's someone that's just he's honestly, like you said, he's a he's a in a way a mere image of Batman because again, Batman's not supernatural either. I mean, he's just a guy that knows how to use his wealth and his intelligence, um, to do what he does. In many ways, like I said before, the best villains are the ones that are mirror images of Bruce Wayne or Batman. Uh-huh. And a lot of times we see on different countdowns where we see Hugo Strange as someone almost identical to Bruce Wayne. You know, someone who doesn't have to do what he does. He's a wealthy man. He doesn't have to go work for Arkham. He doesn't have to work for Blackgate, Blackgate Prison to talk to these villains or heroes that are locked up. But he does because he's obsessed with the human psyche. 
he's obsessive with what the mind does and how the mind works and essentially how his own mind works. It's a self-reflection of himself almost. And I think that's very interesting for a character to have this much development in the past, what, 50 to 60 years, still be prolific today. That's true. Mm-mm. But let's go to you. What is your number uno? All right. So I might disappoint some people with this one. Um, but uh, doing a lot of studying and kind of like looking at, you know, uh, Batman foes, um, I think this is someone uh, that can be justified as number one. Um, as one of the Otis uh, and well, Otis characters in a way, <laughs> at least story-wise goes, um, I'm going to give my number one to Ra's al Ghul. Mm. We can talk about it together because that's my number one as well, too. <laughs> nice. I mean, because it, it, I mean, it, it only makes sense. I mean, Ra's al Ghul is, is again, he's another uh, character that embodies intelligence and physical strength when it comes to fighting Batman. Um, and, you know, uh, I also learned that, you know, the respect that he has to Batman as as someone who's, you know, as an equal. Like, yeah, as an equal. So, you know, he knows that, you know, Batman is Bruce Wayne, but as of as a courtesy to him and out of respect, he does not reveal his identity. Why? Because it's unnecessary, you know. Um, and and again, I, I think that he has also um, I think that he basically tries to play on Batman's weaknesses, like his personal weaknesses, uh, rather than just like, a, you know, a, 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 how do you say it? Like, <laughs> you know, just a pow, boom, you know? Uh, yeah. so he kind of works around uh, Bat- Batman's psyche and, you know, uh, shit that's close to him. And that's, that's what he, that's what he, you know, goes at. I mean, didn't he even try to go after Damien after he was killed to try to like take over Damien's body? Yeah, there's so many stories with Rachel Ghoul, Raz Al Ghoul, however you want to pronounce it. You know, mm. it's because of this character alone that we get Bruce Wayne's story of becoming Batman. Essentially, before this, we just got Batman becoming Batman out of nowhere. Yeah, my parents died and I took on vengeance. Called the day. But it was this character that brought like the the League of Assassins um, mm-hmm. that brought the training of Batman, how Batman uh, became the martial artist that he was today, the great detective that he was today, the, the patience and the poise that he has of being, you know, a silent but deadly adversary to so many villains is because the creation of um, Dennis O'Neill and Neil Adams, you know, the demon essentially of uh, Rachel Ghoul surviving many centuries with the Lazarus pit. You know, he's a character that not only is supernatural, but is also grounded. You know, his views on life are not so, uh, even though they're extreme, they make sense. The world is full of chaotic people. So what do you mm-hmm. do? Let's just destroy Arkham Asylum because all those criminals are a detriment to the world. Just mm-hmm. blow it up. Is it- no, I didn't mean yeah. to get you up there, but um, he um, he kind of, in a way, like the way his thinking is similar to that of Thanos, where it's like he has a sole purpose, and his sole purpose has like reasoning behind it. You know, like I, I think personally that he sees most, if not all, of humanity as a detriment to life. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, he wants to rid mankind for the sake of good. Where, I mean, you know, same thing with Thanos, like, you know, where he goes to worlds and, you know, destroys half the population, you know, for that reason of balance. You know, so he's he I, I, I think is a very in-depth character and his views again, like it has, it has again, merit. Like, it, it, it's extreme, very extreme, but it has merit in in that way of thinking. But not only that, even in a more intimate and personal level, he is a father figure to Bruce Wayne, the father figure he desperately wants, you mm-hmm. know, someone to actually guide him in his way whether it's the right way or not, he is someone that Bruce has looked for for, um, for advice, for um, counseling, whether it's good or bad. You know, Raz, Raish has always been there to set aside any difference, love him or hate him, and give Bruce Batman the best advice as possible. He's also given the most iconic battles. Arrow alone stole this battle, which they never should have, but you can't you can't take away the battle of Bruce Wayne, well, now I'm going to say Batman, because he's shirtless, with a bunch of chest hair, and the cowl on still, with a sword, fighting Ra's al Ghul, shirtless, on top of a mountain, and all I'm hearing in my head is, and it's like, I don't know, like, that scene alone is such an iconic scene right there that I love to death. It's one of my favorite images of all time in the Batman mythos, but like I said, a father figure. Hell, look how far his mytho goes because his daughter Talia eventually falls in love with him as well too to be the next successor of the the League of Assassins. Not only that, she bears a child with Bruce. You know, Uh Damian Wayne, there's so much lore that goes with Ra's al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, um, again, I think, you know, they they have that um, relationship that it's, it's, it's it's a relationship that's always going to have like some kind of balance and some kind of uh, meaning and some kind of uh, uh, purpose. Like, uh, don't they team up at one point to fight? God damn it! I was just reading it earlier. Who was it? That there's they a, were... there's there many there a couple. There's okay. many people that they have you know joined forces together to really um, take out a greater threat. You know. And just, uh, you know, it's just, it's so ingrained. It's in the veins of the Batman mythos, what Raish has done, whether it be the training from from League of Assassins, whether it be Talia, whether it be Damien, whether it be in Batman Incorporated, where the thing was like an international group that was trying to take Batman Incorporated down, um, whether it's Jason Todd himself, or whether it's Charles with the Joker, whether it's Bane itself, like even in the movies, you know, Talia is very uh, prolific with Bane being part of League of Assassins to honor Raish. And of course, with Liam Neeson playing Raish al Ghul in Batman Begins, you know, once again, being a father figure to him. And you understand what he's doing. He's taking out Gotham because Gotham is toxic. It will never get better. The only way to, to create a better world is to take the toxic the, the toxicity out of the world. Mm-hmm. So... Do you think that Batman began Batman Begins gave Rajagu justice? In a way, yes. Uh, I wish they would have went more. Uh, I'm disappointed that they showed him off. Then, 
not disappointing because I think it's uh, if you take the supernatural element out of it, then yeah, he could be killed off. But I will argue anybody right now that I prefer Batman Begins over the Dark Knight and um, Dark Knight Rises because of the fact that it is the only Batman story. Not only, you know, I would say Dark Knight is a Joker movie. Essentially, it is Chaos Incarnate, and it's a great movie, but it's not a Batman movie. And most of the time, Dark uh, Knight Rises is very convoluted with Bane and Talia's story as well, too, along with Catwoman. But Begins is truly a Bruce Wayne beginning, a Batman beginning. The relationships he has with... um, It's the only one right? As far as cinematic goes, right? Because every every other Batman movie is just like Batman already established. Exactly. So not only do you get the origin of Batman, but you also get the history with the League of Assassins and training with uh, Liam Neeson to become uh-huh. what he is. I mean, um, you get the relationships that he's sacrificing because of the training he's given as well, too. Um, and he doesn't become a better Batman. He doesn't become Batman essentially without that training. Uh, Rachel Ghoul himself... Yeah. Um, will forever be embedded in, in Batman's history as the father Bruce yeah. never had. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and uh, I think that the only people who really know Raja Gu are those who know the Batman story. Uh, I think most people who are, you know, just kind of diddle in Batman, I don't really think that they would know and appreciate Raja Gu's character. Um, We're saying a lot of good stuff, but he's a fucked up guy, though. Like, there's times where he's discredited Damien saying that you're not my grandson anymore. I will kill you. He's no, he is. He's, um, and I think one of my favorite things in a bad kind of way, though, but it was just like a very kind of ingenious thing to do was when he practically almost completely took out the Justice League by using Batman's intelligence against him. Yep. Batman collected all the weaknesses of each Justice League character in the event that one of them goes rogue and goes bad, like, okay, I know how to take him down. So he steals that information and, you know, he uses it to nearly wipe them out, which, I mean, fuck, talk about a challenge to Batman. And I can only imagine what that conversation was going to be like afterwards. And there's word usage that Raish does use on Bruce that I love so much. He's the only person that calls him the detective. And I love that about Raish or Raz. It's like he, he, he gives him the respect that he is the world's greatest detective. That no matter what obstacles put in front of him, he knows that Bruce is going to be there to stop him. He gives him that respect of being the world's most intelligent man. As well as my greatest student. You know, he gives them such a mantle. Everything that Raish does, Roz does, is always a test for Bruce to take the mantle, to systematically break him down, but also break down his will to say, you know what, you're one of us. At the end of the day, you are one of us. One of us. One of us. But at the same token, like, I feel like there's so much more love. And I'm going to say that. People might disagree with me, but I think it's love. It's respect, but there's love there. You know, I can say that. Yeah, because I mean, like he kind of nursed Bruce Wayne back to some kind of level of sanity. 
yeah. and, and, and really took a lot of fear and weakness out of him. So, and I think Huge that fear on everyone else. Yeah, exactly. And I think that Bruce deep down knows that as well. And, and I think, I mean, it's so again, I think it, it goes, it's, it's a relationship that really does go both ways, but it's, it's shown in more subtle ways than anything. I think uh, I'm more disappointed because I, I like Lee Nielsen's performance at, as Ray Shraz, but the same token, I, I want a very, I don't know, I just want something more for that character. And I, in my heart of hearts, he's been betrayed at Gotham, he's been betrayed at Arrow. I feel like you cannot do it without an animated series. Unless you're going to go really like fanatical and fantastic with it, you're going to go real supernatural with it. Raish only works with being, you know, the head of the demon, the one that's in the Lazarus pit, the one that keeps on coming back after century after century. You know, that only works like that if you have that Lazarus pit there. I like, I like a real Raish, but the same token, I want him to be the villain that he deserves. And that's what Liam was, right? He was a more realistic version of him. See, yeah, but they do that, but then they do. That movie also did, like, the one thing that that movie did that I just really didn't like was the whole sonar thing with the fucking bats. Like, that... Like, that, was, when, that was Dark Knight. No, that was Batman Begins. Which sonar one? When when he... at the Was it at the end when he called, like, all the bats to, like... <laughs> that was like, me. I was in the warehouse. Yes, like, that was... It, it was a great movie, and it'll always be a great movie. But again, that that was just unnecessary. Like fucking bats in a warehouse, and whatever the fuck he was doing, you know, it was it was just that was too much. Like he played some Ace Ventura shit, you know, at the end of Ace Ventura when Nature Calls, he was like, "Hey, then they I come. will take that part over the beginning <laughs> of Batman versus Superman, where we get to see Bruce Wayne being levitated by a bunch of bats in the beginning of that movie." I was about oh my to walk God, that's out of there. Right. Oh, that's so right. crazy. I, that. <laughs> I looked at my brother-in-law. I was like, get me fuck out of here. He looked at me, too, because he knew I was pissed off. That was, um, yeah, that, that, that is, that is. If you did that in an animated movie or anything, you know, like, I could, I could give that a pass, potentially. But I don't even think Justice League would do that. You know, the actual you- character. Do you think in this day and age of like Aquaman now, Wonder Woman, and how they're having all these like um, these very fantastical fantasy villains now, like Ocean Master and Black Manta, you know, Ares and whatnot? Do you think we could have a proper Batman movie with a uh, Yeah, because I feel like no, it could work with I Batman. Hope. That's what I hope because I said. I mean, who better to play him than Liam Neeson? But I think that he could have done, I think his character, I don't blame Liam Neeson at all. It's just because he was given what he was written, you know? Yeah. I think that he has a lot more potential because, I mean, again, he really is, he's he's a really bad guy. Yes. Like, he really, he has a lot of evil in him. Um, but again, he uh, he's also he kind of has that personality similar to uh, uh, Deadlock, where he knows what he's good at and yeah. he knows what he can do, and he will eat 
off that like any day and and just like go with it so yeah there's a lot more that they can do with them and i, and I only hope that they do eventually kind of draw that up and again i also think they fucked up with the aries because i'm sorry like I, that, that was like my least favorite thing about wonder woman like we can go there <laughs> i just oh, maybe it's because i did not like the actor who played aries and i was like Who the yeah fuck is piece of shit like really like especially when he has all his like armor whatever the fuck he had at the end but i could still like see his face and like just this old dude and just like no like no <laughs> i mean i think we're, we I, i've heard that we're still in confirmation that um Joe Magileto, so Magileto, I probably botched his name, is going to be um, Deathstroke for the Batman movie. I believe that's what's going to happen. But I definitely would like to see more of a supernatural villain. If not uh, um, um, Doctor Strange, uh, Doctor Strange, look at me. If not uh, Ra's al Ghul, I would take either a Hugo Strange or I will even take the Court of Owls. You, you know, I would love to see the Court of Owls portrayed. Like, yeah. I think that is something that would be even more unique. Um, Especially because I, I, I think it is kind of category categorizing it as one villain. Yes. I think it is a very ingenious, very creative new villain uh, that, that was uh, drawn up. And um, I think it should be utilized. Have they, have, uh, have they attempted to do it in Gotham? Because, I mean, if they're as old as they were written to be, have they been kind of slightly around? Slightly, they tried to do it, but probably you know Gotham is a hit or miss when it comes to their villains, so it all depends. But you know what? I, yeah, it's. I think they would be a great of um, a set of villains in that movie, even to culminate with like a battle with the Bat Family. You could introduce like a Robin, a Nightwing, and things of that nature. Is Nightwing still getting his own thing? Um, he's on that Titan show. I don't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> but again, like when it comes to DC, I think DC has just been more of a disappointment than anything. Um, I, I think that they really need to um, really cross their T's and dot, dot their I's and cross their T's before they go do anything. I, I, I think that the story, not just so much for the fans, but I think the stories that were written and the characters that created, like you have the tools to make a masterpiece. Right. But it's you get that. And like you, you it's, it's like buying a fucking um, a cake mix. Like here is your cake mix for a fucking uh, devil's chocolate cake. But then you still try to make a fucking strawberry cake. Like, you have the tools to make something great. Like, why the fuck are you going to try and fuck it up and do something, like, entirely different with it? Like, no. Like, don't. Like, you have the tools to make a really good story with really great characters. Just execute it. Well, we're going to have to see if they do execute it from here. Um, I think we both had some awesome picks, very diverse picks, and, of course, to land both on Raz al Ghul, which is fantastic, in my opinion. Jake, for the future, where can people reach you? on social media they can always find me um there's uh they can always find me on my podcast you can uh, find it on anchor itunes spotify anxiety live um instagram you're gonna find me at x6 vampire six heart six um x yeah it's one of those <laughs> yeah. yeah or 
Facebook, Jacob Alexander Gutierrez. I got a lot of things cooking up, a lot of cool shit, uh, something very deep uh, that's going to be coming pretty soon. Got a lot to work on for that. It's going to be a little bit more on the realistic kind of side. Aren't you uh, on yeah. the, the Twitter as well too now? Oh, yeah, that's right. I am a tweeter. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I forgot what my tag was on Twitter, to be honest. <laughs> that's all right. You know? Uh, like uh, I'm an introvert even on social media. Goddamn! Like <laughs> it's there. That bird's flying somewhere. Y'all find me if you find me in one. You'll find me in all of them. So, yeah, yeah. But mostly, just look for me in Anxiety Live, and you'll see where everywhere that I post. So, and of course, that's on iTunes, Spotify, of course, on Anchor as well, too, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Awesome. Awesome. If you guys want to reach Sideshow Conversations, also on Anchor, Spotify, and iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe, please. Uh, subscribe to Jake's as well, too. Anxiety Live is pretty hell of awesome. I make some guest appearances as well, too. Um, and Sideshow Conversations. It's also on Facebook. We have a Facebook page on there. We also have uh, an Instagram page at Sideshow Conversations as well, too, at that tag name, if you want to get to me. Val Cisco is also on Twitter at Uncanny underscore V. And on Instagram at Val Cisco as well, too. Uh, for anything else, Jake, do you want to leave uh, this podcast with any last words about Batman or the villains, his rogue gallery? No, I just want to tell people, I mean, I think they should definitely uh, subscribe because, I mean, these are two of the best uh, new podcasts out there. I mean, you know, I think we're trying to, uh, uh, especially with Val's, I mean, Val's the one that uh, uh, inspired me to do my own thing. I mean, because it's, it's, it's something great. I think it's something that's missing, especially in this kind of climate. It's, uh, you know, it's a platform that uh, everyone can just kind of relate to you know we i think i think you kind of uh dive a little bit in everything so i mean i, I just i just want to encourage people to share them share their love and subscribe and, and share the fuck out of it oh thanks buddy that means a lot of course for all everybody out there anxiety live as well too have that synergy out there rate review subscribe to all of them right there itunes give us some constructive criticism we'll take it um for anything else yeah. guys um Jake, it's been a pleasure having you on. And until the next one, buddy. Take it easy. Later, bro. Bye.